Welcome to Talking TRM, the Travel Risk Management Podcast. I'm Bex Debman and I'm an independent consultant specialising in ISO 31030. During my transition from corporate travel to travel risk, I've met some incredible individuals driving travel risk management forward with passion and expertise. On this podcast, I'm going to chat with them about their stories and hopefully inspire our listeners to start their own travel risk management journey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking TRM, the podcast dedicated to travel risk management. My name is Travel Risk Bex and I am really excited today. I don't sing generally before my guests come in because that would be awful and they'd switch off. But I think that out of all of the guests that I've had on this show, I've known you possibly the longest, maybe right next to my friend David Chappelle. I think we, we met I met him at a similar time that I met you and you were definitely a friend um so I will introduce you in a moment but just let's go back to so I I was working at HRS you were working for a corporate I was trying to woo you um (laughs) to try and do business with you um and then you kind of you kind of left before we'd signed any deals and then actually we, we haven't really ever really had the opportunity to actually really really work together although now we're independent consultants that's changing which is great um so yes I'm delighted because this man's story kind of will I think help corporates really get a sort of a hopefully a a personal taste um for some of the stuff that we're talking about and really bring some of this stuff to life so I'm gonna stop talking now and I'm gonna introduce my really dear friend Mr Andy Nielsen to the show hello Andy how are you I've made you go red I'm really sorry no, hi Bex. No, no, all good. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a very sunny day, hence hence the redness I would get. <laughs> um, so I'm going to stop talking because I want every, I want you to talk and tell everyone. So obviously we've said who you are, but let's just do that again. If you could introduce yourself and um, and what is it that you do, Andy? So I'm a, <clears throat> a procurement supply chain consultant. Uh, I worked in corporate for for many years. Um, due to ill health, came out of the uh, corporate world and do every, you know, do everything that a consultant typically does, which is interim project support um, across many different categories and sectors. I do a lot of training as well. So I train procurement people and I also train salespeople in the art of procurement because it, it's almost like... Um, magnets we we just don't seem to be able to 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 mesh between sales and procurement and we don't seem to cross that mythical divide so um so yes i also offer that um i live in sunny devon work internationally i'm very grateful and very lucky to be in a position where I, i i do what i love and you do it amazingly well and you've been so generous i think as well so your company now is twisted orange that's right. How long yeah. have you been yeah. operating that company? Um, so my wife started in 2016 and I joined at the start of 2018. Um, so it's just the two of us. Um, Louise, my wife, does all the, the clever stuff and, and I do everything else. So. 
Thank you so much for bigging up your wife. That's exactly what we like to hear on this show, remembering that the women obviously are incredibly important and often do quite a lot more. No, I'm joking. It's a no, neat it's very true. My case. <laughs> it's just important that we get heard, that's all. Um, and this this world that I'm now moving in, this kind of travel risk management world, is, is very masculine, which is not an issue. Um, but it's really good to hear the kind of, you know, the female voice going on and stuff in the background, too. So I'm going to just go back to something, if you don't mind, that you just touched on a little bit. And I want I know you're really honest and candid about stuff, but you said that you left the corporate world due to ill health. Um, you were traveling quite a lot at that point. Am I right in thinking um, or not so much? Talk to me. Are you able to talk about that stuff a bit? Yeah, I think. Probably for four or five years. Prior to that, I was doing a lot of traveling. Um, I wasn't coping, although I thought I was. And I guess I've probably said it a few times to a few people, but I guess my breakdown only came as a surprise to me. Um, Mine yeah. too. Mine too. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm a bloke, therefore I must be tough and rough. And, um, and I'm not, you know, I'm just a normal human being who didn't cope with business travel not for any reason specific to the corporates but my own ability and my own lack of awareness of the impact that business travel had um and i think what really brought it home for me was when i was working with um with clive ratton uh, and mel quinn on a on my story yeah and um, we we they produced a very clever animated version of my story and then when i played it back having done the voiceover i i it, it really hit home um of the impact it had had or the impact i allowed it to have um so yeah it it, it just became untenable for for all sorts of different reasons you know my it impacted on my behaviors it impacted on my ability to deal with situations ability to communicate with people um it was pretty rubbish in, in all fairness but yes yeah, so, so travel was certainly a big part of the issue it wasn't all of it but it just kind of, it was, I guess, that final straw when I was about to do another trip and I I, I completely lost the plot, so. Thank you for sharing that so candidly, Andy. I think it's just, and I I, I really want you to send us the link to, to that story because I've seen it, I've seen the animation, I've, I've used it in different things and it's so strong. Um, we can put it at the end of this podcast for people to have a look at it. If that's okay with you, I think it, it's, it's, yeah. it's incredible. And it's just a, rem a reminder, we talk a lot on this show about um, the, the policies and the processes, and then we always bring it back to people. And I think this is why I was really wanted you as a guest on this show, Andy, because it's about making this stuff about people again, isn't it? Because ultimately every line on that spreadsheet however wherever you sit in managing travel each part of that is a lived experience of a human being and your policies and your processes are affecting that and what you've also got to understand you know what what the company also has to understand is that travelers 
will be affected by that in different ways. And that will be a lot to do with their world and in a myriad of different ways, because it will be to do with their experience, their upbringing, um, their, 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 their own mental health, their physical health, other stuff that's going on around them at that time. So how travel affects one person is not how it's going to affect someone else. And, and we have to make allowances for that. You know, we have to also know that people don't always know what's best for them, right? At the beginning of that. And I so echo this when I have my breakdown. It's taken me a year now to go, oh, this, this, you didn't break down when you thought you did. There was stuff going on way before that that I had no idea. And I, and I became quite a different person. And I was probably, I've never said this. I was probably very difficult to manage. Um, and I was the I, mean, I was the MD at the end of it. So that would have been very difficult, actually, for my owners probably to manage me as much as though, you know, it, it goes both ways. But it's very difficult when you're in that position to recognise it yourself. And I think, you know, you say it also as, as a male, someone who's supposed to be this and supposed to be, you know, I'm not going to say those words because I completely don't agree with it. But yes, the stereotypical um, um, piece. So the the thing is you just get on this treadmill and you just keep going and you think that everybody is depending on you and you can't stop until the point you are forced to stop and i think it's hard for the people around you because they've told you or they've tried to help you and you haven't heard it so it's it's not an easy thing to do and it's not an easy thing to talk about i think it's not travel that's the problem it's it's that's another thing and another pressure isn't it that's that's kind of that's working on people it's a, but it's about recognizing people so so can we talk about you know what's changed for you now and how do you manage this stuff sort of differently now um in your life so we can you know, obviously you recognize stuff back then but what what what, what have you what is what, what's different for you these days i i, I guess for me it, i'm i'm more in control of my own destiny from a business travel perspective because I can make choices. I, I think in terms of you know, my health and, and well-being, a lot has changed in terms of acceptance, if you like, of, of who I am. L less more of a the self-loathing I think without being over dramatic, and I was very lucky in terms of the support I got <clears throat> around me, especially family, but also counselling as well. Mm -hmm. So my counsellor was was incredible, and what she taught me was about the mindfulness that I needed, not the. <clears throat> Here's a book and you know, read paragraph four because that applies to you. But we we covered all sorts of stuff that I hadn't even realized was an issue. And now I'm able to, if I start to feel challenged, um, as I did Friday, not because of anybody or anything, <clears throat> simply because of me. And just as a, an aside, I am ultra logical and mental health is ultra illogical. And I, that's where I struggle. It's not in a straight line and it's not black or white. Um, and we're all different. 
but now I, I have my coping mechanisms where depending on the severity, I can take myself out of the situation or deal with it temporarily until I can take myself out of the situation. I think what's changed for me is, <clears throat> I, you know, being, <clears throat> being self-employed means that it's okay to say no, <clears throat> even though you're too scared to at times. But <clears throat> most importantly for me, is I can put my mindfulness and my well-being at the forefront of any travel arrangements that I make. And I'm very lucky that I can do that. And I feel very privileged to be in that position. Not everybody is. And, you know, corporates and, and organizations have policies and processes for all the right reasons. But travel is a, is a, a bit different to an IT policy or a a, a policy around claiming expenses or company cars. Travel is when you're away from what helps you, i.e. your your home, your family, yeah. your network. Your support network, yeah. Yes. So, you know, lots and lots of people still think that business travel is glamorous and you're taken out every evening, no matter where you are. You know, whether you could be in Stockholm, Shanghai or, or Bognor Regis, it doesn't really matter how far away you are from your support network or home. You are away from it. And, and some people cope better than others. For me, I now look at my mindfulness and I appreciate the little things that have the most impact on me. But like I said, I'm very lucky where I can choose and make arrangements to suit myself in terms of where I stay, how I fly, what I do before I fly. You know, walking around an airport for me, for work, is, is pretty scary because you're just surrounded by thousands and thousands of people who have all got their own priorities and rush to do this and rush to do that. Yeah. Me, I, I, I want a quiet area because that's how I cope um, because I'm on my own. When I'm traveling on holiday, it, it's less of an issue because I have my family or my wife with me and that gives me my reassurance. When you're traveling on business alone, you haven't got that that go-to, as it were. So yeah, so I I, I choose routes or airports or, or whatever to suit myself, which sounds perhaps a bit arrogant. It's not meant to, but not at all. Yeah, you know, I'm very lucky that I can I can do that, and I invest in myself on that basis. Um, and yeah, you know, you look at class of travel, you look at lounge access, you you look at hotels and locations. I was recently um, uh, traveling into a country I'd not been to before. Um, and I think it's fair to say I didn't leave the hotel room very much, which is really, really unhealthy for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you just, you just wouldn't. I, I just couldn't. Yeah, you know, saying I've been to some amazing places where it's been absolutely brilliant. I've loved it. Um, but there's still that, once you close that hotel bedroom door, you're greeted with, what, television, bed, kettle, 
except if you're Clive Ratton, and I probably need to uh, explain that one day. Um, but that's it. Yeah, that's all you've got. There's nobody yeah. to talk to. There's, there's only so many Zoom calls or FaceTime calls you can make. And in some countries, you can't even do that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's a very long answer to your question of, of what, what, you know, what do you do differently? But I think the, the key summary is I, I prepare and I invest in my own well-being as part of my travel plans and it's yeah. a beautiful answer and it wasn't a long answer and it leads us so beautifully in what I want to talk about next which is kind of I agree I can do the same uh, whereas when I was working I felt and it's not this isn't on my company I was working for any of the companies I was working for but you know I was trying to impress and improve and all this stuff and I definitely worked myself harder than I should have done and did things that weren't great to myself because I was constantly, constantly putting the job first. And I've done that throughout my whole career. And that's kind of good to do it when you work for yourself. <laughs> but weirdly, I don't work as hard now as I did for other companies. And that sounds ridiculous. I work hard, but I totally have the, the kind of the balance now because I'm only answering to myself now and I love myself now. Does that make sense? There's a, there's a different piece having kind of gone through what I've been through. But what I'm really interested in, so agreed um where we want to get to and the whole kind of art of travel risk management is actually understanding your people on the level that we have just been discussing that we finally at our ripe old ages of plus 40 um have worked out what we um consider right for us and we can do that because we're fortunate enough to work for ourselves how do we bring this into business and how do we make businesses understand this horrible scary thing that they need to make and treat all of their people like individuals and understand that they all have differences and do you bring this into the work that you're doing now is this you know as part of procurement which is arguably you have the kind of strategic procurement which is a which is a, a procurement sort of area which means you're you're talking and coming out of your silos and you're thinking how everything kind of fits in with the rest of the business or you have a more traditional procurement approach which is Let's just get the contracts down for as low as we possibly can. This obviously sits more strategic, which is I know where you are. So can you influence this in what you do? How can you do that? And for those people listening to us, how can how can we help them? Yeah, I think that there's, there's two different questions or two different scenarios, isn't there? So from my perspective as a consultant, when I'm asked to support specific to a travel situation, then certainly well-being is right at the forefront of what I include, stroke recommend to include. And as you know, when but when you look at it from a corporate perspective, thankfully, I, I think what I'm seeing is more and more appreciation of the need around well-being and traveler focus, if you like, rather than cost focus. Do we, do they, do they, do we always get the balance right? No, I, d I don't think so. Is it possible to always get the balance right? No, because we're, we're humans. We, we, we're corporates. We have different priorities at different times of the week, day, month, year. So, um, but I am seeing a more open and positive approach to well-being 
being built into requirement specifications or RFQs or market approaches. And again, in my experience, a lot more um, emphasis being placed on well-being as part of that RFQ response. So corporates are asking the right questions to get the right answers rather than just saying, here's a spreadsheet for our routes. This is the data. Give us your lowest cost. Now, some people always do that. Let's face it. We're never, we're never going to get to a point where well-being is 100% adopted in every single corporate throughout the world. But what we can do is, is try and influence and educate without, again, sounding arrogant, educate people of the importance of their most important asset, their people. And I think COVID showed that we can do a lot more than we think remotely. So I'm seeing a lot more um, pre-trip authorization protocols. Mm -hmm. Not to make it tricky to justify it, but actually to get the balance right of, look, if, if we don't need to send people, then that, that, won't, that doesn't cause issues. So I, I don't think it's a kind of a travel preventative measure. It's, I like to think it more around efficiency, best use of time, and indirectly almost in a positive impact on well-being. Because I think pre-COVID, lots of travelers felt obliged to go and see customers. Yeah. They felt they had to do it as part of their job. But it was almost this kind of unsaid conversation so the corporate wasn't expecting it, but the person thought that the corporate was expecting it. Therefore, we, they did it. Um, yeah. And I think COVID has shown that we don't have to do it, don't need to do it unless it's necessary. Um, obviously, lots of organizations spend lots of money on travel because they, they need to do it for whatever reason. But I do think there's a greater appreciation of the traveler well-being based on what I'm seeing. And that's great. Um, is it perfect? No. And I don't think it ever will be. Is it better that, yeah, than five years ago? Absolutely, because people are talking about it. People are aware of it. The issue still remains that if I was in corporate world, I, I wouldn't have the courage, confidence, or ability to say to whoever I was working for, I'm really struggling or I'm really sorry, I can't do that trip or I'm getting really anxious about going here, there and, and there because it, it doesn't work for me. And, and corporates can't cope with that mm. because it, it's almost having to have individual policies for people and they can't, they can't physically do that. And also travellers don't ask for help don't want to raise their heads above the parapet. Um, so I think that corporates, along with TMCs, who let's face it, do this every day of the week, and there's some absolutely incredible TMCs out there who are focused on well-being and mindfulness, etc. Between the corporates and the TMCs, they can provide the op opportunities and the options for travellers. Doesn't mean that all travelers need them, no. but they're there. And I think, you know, one of the techniques is around pre-trip information. Yeah. So 
you're going to a different country, Andrew, actually, in this location, you know, here, here are your restaurants, the hotel's got a gym, or, or whatever it may be. But it's the awareness. And, you know, I, I, I've been in so many hotels and I'm looking around going, oh, what can I do? Am I okay to go outside? I, I know it, it sounds a bit dramatic. It's not meant to, but what do I do? You know, do I walk up and down the street and then come back and feel even more frustrated? Um, is there a Starbucks? Is, is there whatever around? Yeah, agreed, 100%. And it's almost like a, a crib sheet. Yeah. And I know we have all these travel apps that you can press a button and say, well, here's your restaurant and or a trip advisor, whatever. Um, sometimes we as travelers just don't get it. We just, we just, or, you know, business travelers just see the fact we're away, therefore feel we have to work even harder. And I think it's about providing corporate reassurance that even if you're away, you should still only be working eight hours. You know, you should, yeah. there's no reason to work 15 hours a day to prove to people back at base that you're online, that you're working, that you're almost self-justifying why you're there. Again, not saying it's always the case, but... It depends on the type of person you are though, right, Andy? So I'm exactly like that. I would work hard. Obviously other people, you know, are maybe more confident in a different area and they'll just be like this is my right I'm going to do this I'm going to do that but perhaps they're burning a candle at both ends in a different way right so that's going to affect them in a different way not sure where to start with implementing a standard such as ISO 31030 a gap analysis exercise from ascent risk management is the best place to start our expert consultants will take you step by step through your chosen standard and highlight any weak areas. This can be conducted remotely and the results of the gap analysis can form the plan for your targeted project. Contact Ascent today at www.ascent1, which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com and booking your gap analysis today. I agree that it feels like it's complicated to have to cater for all people but I also think the structure around it is more simple than we're maybe thinking because really you just want to provide your people with an ability to get out of stuff to be able to say actually for these reasons and to let that be okay and I'm not saying two hours before they go because that's not ideal but obviously if it was two hours before they go all right you know that's also okay that you need to be able to have these conversations with management like can I go um, and, and and really it's down to those sort of line manager relationships with your team to be able to know your team well enough because because that's that's the, the key point for all of this you know you're the travel approver often if there is an approver in the business it will often be the line manager or you know budget holder going up higher you're, and the reason for that, it's not just some sort of like, oh, I've got all these admin bits to do. The reason to do for that is because you're closest to the traveller. In a huge organisation, the, 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 the finance team aren't going to know or the procurement team aren't going to know the travellers and, and you know. So it's not then just about, is this the right trip or is, is it going to cost too much and this, that. It's also, is this right for this person at this time? And the only person, there's two people that potentially know that, the traveller and the and the line manager. And somehow between you, you've got to get a relationship that you feel safe enough to have that conversation that the traveller can actually say, I don't, actually. And I did it recently, and I know it's different for me now because I work 
independently, but I really felt like I was letting someone down by saying no. I really didn't want to say no. I thought, I can't do this. My anxiety is going through the roof. It's a very last minute trip. I didn't have time to plan and stuff. And I just thought, I don't want to do it. And I told her. And fortunately, she's a friend and she she just came back and went, fine, we're not having that. Fine, done, sort of thing. There wasn't even a question about it. And she made me feel, I still felt guilty. Of course I did. But um, it's it's the right thing to be able to do to actually call it out and we and we have to make that space safe for any reason and it could be that that person is okay to go but they've just got anxieties around it and we need to provide them with the information they need the some people love just to go somewhere and just like fly by the seat in their pants right they're just that's fine it'll be fine other people don't (laughs) that's really stressful um and and also that responsibility from a company of you are going to represent stuff. This isn't just like, oh, plug this app in and off you go. Be aware of the content and what it is that you're advising people of. You know, be aware of who your travellers are. Where are you sending them? Just the coolest bar? Or do you know that that area is not safe for the LGBTQI community? So it might be the coolest bar, but we shouldn't be sending people there or we should be flagging that sort of stuff. So there's just a lot, isn't there, in this pre-travel piece? But we can customise it, and technology allows us to to do that these days. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's come come on leaps and bounds, in my opinion. Um, and the responsibility isn't just with the corporate or the TMC. The responsibility lies with us as travellers. And I don't want anybody listening to this thinking, oh, you're just putting everything on the corporate or the TMC. and yeah, it, it, it's not, you know, my issues were caused by me. Nobody else, me, um, for, for whatever, whatever reason, whatever chemical imbalance or whatever people want to call it. I, I was the reason that I fell ill. Nothing to do with who I was working for, who I working with. Um, it was it was me. And. <clears throat> I could have taken a lot more responsibility for my own ways of working and traveling that would have seen me healthier, perhaps. So, again, education, but not education just for education's sake. We're all grown ups. Give people access to best practice. Here, Here are some of the techniques you can use. Here's what to watch out for. Here's what to do. Um, if you are feeling anxious, whatever it may be, but something somewhere will resonate with each individual person and be of use. You could give somebody 10 things and if one thing works, brilliant, it's worked. Um, Agreed. And I think that the other thing that I'm seeing less of is the turn left, turn right scenario where class of travel is dictated by your position in the business because people at chief exec level need more rest and um care than people as a you know sales manager or whatever which you know me and you know my views on such archaic practices does it still happen i'm sure it does is it a massively negative impactful piece yes it's pretty crap. And um, for people who do it, shame on you. Um, 
because just because you're a chief exec or a sales director doesn't mean that you're any more, I'm going to say, important um, than a sales manager, especially, yeah, especially if you're on the same flight um, or in the same hotel and, you know, chief execs gets club lounge and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, yeah, you end up in, I don't know, one of the kind of receptionists off rooms, as it were. So it, it, it's, again, something that corporates need to look at. Can I just, Andy, I just want to use the word, it's discriminatory. We talk about, um, I know why they do it, and I get the arguments for it, but it is discriminatory, and it's basically saying that I'm, 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 I'm more important, difficult to say this, but to the, to the traveller underneath, who is still working really hard, is still doing everything they can do, and is trying to get higher up in the company, so is sacrificing lots of their things, they are just as important and valuable as the, as the execs, and you send through this idea that 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 they're not. And and actually, there's this thing to aspire to that when you get to exec level, that's when you'll get all these good things, and that's when it happens. And that's really not good for our mental health either, and how we consider ourselves. And then trying to push to that, if we could get, and of course the argument is it's too expensive to send everyone business, then stop traveling. <laughs> Look at those trips and reduce the trips so that when you do travel, everyone can have the same experience and class yeah. of travel. Yeah, I, 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 Sorry, I've seen it myself when I've been traveling. Yeah, I've seen it myself where somebody in my aisle was working and then obviously one of his colleagues i'm assuming his boss came from the front <laughs> of the plane to talk about work um you couldn't you couldn't fail but to hear it um and it was obviously he was telling him what to do and then off he shot back up to his his kind of first class cabin so um outrageous, outrageous. yeah yeah it it if it was if it wasn't so real, it would have been funny. Comical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um and this poor chap, I yeah, this this was quite a few years ago, but you could you can see it. You could see it happening. Um and I'm not criticizing those executives, and I'm not saying those senior level executives don't work their butts off for the business. Of course Absolutely. they do. Yes, yes. But yes people deserve the same level of treatment because we all need to be aware of mindfulness and, and well-being. So um, I, I'm not, I'm not saying you got, like you said, it is expensive to travel. Um, but even if, um, yeah, if it's good enough for one person, it should be good enough for another. Yeah. And to be honest with you, my personal experience on the plane is not the issue. It's before when you're surrounded by thousands of people and you can't get a seat because everybody is there going on holiday or doing this or doing that. Um, and then your boss is sat in the lounge having a massage or a haircut. Um, that, that's, that's when it gets silly. Um, yeah. But yeah, just, just, just my, my personal view. Um, in my experience, from what I'm seeing at the moment, and I'm working across many categories, not just travel, um, I think we're seeing a better appreciation of, of individuals and their well-being. Um, I still think there's some tick-in-the-box exercises going on, but I, I guess you're going to get that one. Well, and I guess 
that's what makes this space exciting, right? It feels like for the first time, and I really think this is because of the the, the, the different types of people you now have in organisations. This is because of our diversity in age groups, but also in, in where we come from and our, and our lifestyles and all that kind of other stuff. It's making companies think about this because it's like, you mm. can't pretend this isn't happening. We are your workforce and these are the things that we need. And people are beginning, I think these generations coming underneath us, I have so much respect for because they are quite outspoken. They're going to say, and they're going to say, I don't want that. I, well, I think this on some half and then I see it in other places and I go, oh, they're not, they're still quite quiet and timid and, don't, and they're scared. So all those things that we were frightened of, they still are to a degree. But it depends on the person, right? As a group, they're more outspoken and they're they're voting with that. I'm not going to work for that company if they're not going to give me some of this kind of stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> I, 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 yeah. I think the next generations are braver than certainly my generation. I, you know, I've, I've probably got a couple of generations on you. So, you know, so my, my you know, my 18 year old daughter, for example, is very aware of her own or am my eldest actually so you know she's 23 she's traveling um they're both aware of mindfulness and well-being not just because of of, of me but because it's you know it's instantaneous isn't it if anybody publishes something then it's available you know yeah. um i i come from a, the era of telexes and fax machines um which probably people go what's a telex um you may have to google it um but that awareness wasn't there no. therefore the expectation wasn't there and to the point where when we go on holiday or when we're, we're booking short haul flights you know my 18 year olds going well what what class of travel should we go for that um and not because not because she's a snob at all but she appreciates there's different classes of travel that provide different benefits around you know, her own level of anxiety around traveling. You know, the point is nowadays that the younger generations are both more expectant because they're more aware. They're yeah. more self-aware yeah. as well. And they're not afraid to say no and push back. Whereas in when I was 18 or 19, you know, if somebody rang the door, I'd go and hide, you know, so it, 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 it's it's a lot different now because of the social awareness around health and well-being and travel, because they see their friends doing it, and they see the celebrities doing it, they see everybody doing it. Yeah. So they know what they could ask for, they know what they could have, or perhaps should have. So... I, I think business travel in the next 10 to 20 years will be very interesting as mm. the youth, if you like, God, I sound really old, but as the youth raise the bar around expectations. Yeah, I, I love it. That's exactly, I, could, I could have, yeah, I was, was like, go on, say that, and it just did. <laughs> um, I, I agree completely because it's kind of, but I think it's our duty to then use our experience to help them navigate that and say, this is why. So mm -hmm. yes, you should be entitled to all of that stuff um, from a wellbeing perspective, not from an entitled perspective, sorry. Yes. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but 
but these are the whys and and listen to us as much as we didn't necessarily say no we learned the hard way and we can listen to our stories so that we can actually uh help you form these policies and processes that are going to kind of move forward and then change the way that we look at some of this stuff um i will say much more i want to say and i can't we've got to stop andy i love this <laughs> um it was great and I really think you gave us such a massive traveller insight and this is the bit that we just don't talk about enough. There's a lot of people on here that have just suddenly had these, these on these podcasts that have had this kind of, it's about my travellers, it's about people risk management. There's, you know, shout out to various people that have been talking about it. But what we've done with you today is really get into the negative, unfortunately, side of travel. But the, the but, but seeing it from your perspective and understanding your responsibilities as a traveller, I think that's really, really important. And thank you for being so candid. This wasn't to shame any companies that we've worked for. Like, no. we did this to ourselves. We know. <laughs> we know what we did now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also then would have needed support around that and how can companies stop that happening from people in the future. Um, was it all right? Have you enjoyed yourself? Yeah, I, I think... Uh, Obviously, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Um, I, I'm, I'm always more than happy to to kind of share my story because if it helps one person, it helps. That's great. I, I love the business travel industry. Um, I think there are some amazing people in there. Um, I think lots of people want to make such a massive and positive difference that it's a different industry to what it was. 30 years ago when I started, you know, 30 plus years when I started work. Um, and uh, my, my father was a, was an international traveler. He, he traveled all the time around and around the world. Um, and it was, you know, looking at it now to look at it then, it, it's, it is literally a different world, thankfully. Um, and I'm really grateful for the people who, do care about us as travellers, you know, all the people in the TMCs, all the people in, you know, hotels, airlines, um, they do care. And it shows as well. Um, they, they face massive challenges dealing with us, people, travellers, we all we all find something to whinge and moan about, or find something wrong. Um, the only thing I would ask, if anybody's listening to this, is when when you see somebody as a provider who does something really well, that we just say thank you and we recognise it, um, because I think that's really important. You know, these poor poor people who who are air crew or baggage handlers or whoever, they always <laughs> get the butt end of everything that goes wrong and that's really unfair um and i try i always try and make an effort to say thank you um or you know email the airline or the hotel or try and get somebody's name and it makes a big positive difference to their well-being because it's, it's not just a you know they're providers but they're, they're also people so before if you want to go on a rant about something that's gone possibly wrong or whatever, just think about the impact that it would have on that person who wants to do an amazing job for you as the traveller. So it's a it's a it's a two it's a two way thing, and um, 
I think it's important that we we look after each other, regardless of the roles we have or where we're going. These people are there to help us, receptionists, everybody, cleaners. Um, doesn't take much to say thank you and recognize great service. That's, <clears throat> no, that's, I agree. That's how I would say it. That's beautiful, Andy. Thank you. Um, I yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that you know, often these decisions that are made are made at the top, and the you know it, it's just filtering down, and they're just dealing with stuff. And often they're not even getting necessarily. And this isn't to state any of these companies; they're not necessarily getting all the training they need because there's a lot of scenarios you're dealing with, right? Um, I really want to dig into that a bit more. You're coming back, and we're going to be discussing this a little bit further. Um, <laughs> but for now. I hope everyone's enjoyed this. It's a very different perspective. Um, it's why I've kind of wanted Andy on the show for a long, long time because he does bring this in. What I also love, though, today is your your positiveness that this is changing and you can see it and you can see it within corporates. That is reassuring. That's what we want to hear. Okay, so thank you, everybody. You've been listening to Talking TRM, uh, the podcast dedicated to travel risk management with your host, Travel Respects, and my special guest today, Mr. Andy Nielsen. Thank you so much, Andy. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, goodbye, everyone. Stay safe. Look after yourselves. And Andy, any closing words? Just goodbye is fine. <laughs> goodbye and look after each other. I love it. Thank you. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Talking TRM is in association with the Scent Risk Management. If you enjoyed listening to today's podcast, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard, such as ISO 31030, or if you have any questions regarding ISO, please reach out to our Centrist Management to talk to our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and links can be found in the show description. This podcast is a Clemark Studio production and was produced by Jessica Ingalls.